It's me this time. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I'm Sammy Gondal. I'm one of the pastors here at Pleasant Valley. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us. This is a special time for us Christians. And those that are watching online, thank you. I know my, my brothers and my mom, I think they're, they're watching from Panama. So, hola. Hola. No, just kidding. Um, <clears throat> there's just something powerful about certain foods, the certain meals that we have. The taste, the smell, the texture of the food can bring back memories. Sometimes good memories, sometimes not so good. There's a meal. Um, there are meals that you just never forget. And it, it was the evening of December 21st, 1989. Uh, the United States had just invaded Panama the night before. I was on, almost 13 years old. And if you know the, the story, uh, you can remember the, the news uh, of that time. And I was having dinner with my family, um, like we did most evenings. But this dinner was different. Here I'm looking around the table and I can see the faces only of my family. My dad, Marcelo, my mom, Jean, my brother, Santiago, and Daniel, the middle one, I'm the baby, the family. And I could only see their faces because it was just candlelit. The whole, the electricity was out in the whole county. And I remember eating arroz con pollo y frijoles, which is rice and chicken and beans, quietly. Just, we were trembling, terrified. The doors were locked. And we could hear bombing in the distance. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's a 13 year old, can you imagine? And you hear the gunfire. So we didn't know what was going to happen. We were thinking, will our house get bombed? There was commotion. There was mayhem happening around. Um, we're thinking, are we going to get robbed? People are going to just bust in the door and, and rob us or kill us. We didn't know what was going to happen. Everything was so uncertain. And that's a meal that we will never forget. I will never forget that. The invasion of Panama, definitely, I just want to say, 1989, to topple a, a brutal dictator, Manuel Noriega, uh, was a good thing, ultimately. Um, but it was a very difficult time. And we have freedom now in Panama because of that, but we paid a high price for that freedom. There is a meal that the people of Israel will never forget. After living in captivity for, four, for 400 years, in fact, the Jewish people remember and celebrate that meal to this day. It's the Passover meal. In Exodus 12, 11 to 14, it says, in this manner you shall eat it. These are the instructions from God. 
with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, just really quick. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt, and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you and the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be for you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord through your generations, as a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast. So imagine what is going through the minds of the people of Israel in that first Passover. Can you imagine how terrifying that was? We, we read it and I was just like, oh, they, they were free after all that time. And I, I know that they were excited. They were thinking, boy, we're going to be free finally. They've seen God's wonders and judgment through nine terrifying plagues. Seen water turn to blood, frogs and locusts everywhere, boils on the skins of the, of the uh, Egyptians, thunderstorm storm of hail and fire, we were, you know, yesterday, I think it was, right, that hailed. That's nothing, okay, compared to this. They knew God wasn't messing around. But what if it doesn't work? <laughs> what if Pharaoh is even more angry at us after this plague and makes us work harder? Families were gathered together with their belts, says, fasten sandals on, staff in their hand. They were ready to rock. But did we do it right? They're eating. We sacrificed our most perfect lamb, right? The mom was very concerned, leans over to dad and says, whispers, hey, Joseph, you painted the blood, right, on the, on the doorpost. Like big, big stains of blood. Because we want to make sure that the angel of death sees the blood in our house or our firstborn is dead. Just imagine that. Or another household, we're eating what we're supposed to be eating, right? Like this bread is thin, it's unleavened, it smells good. Okay, that's good. And you know the rest of the story. The angel of death comes through the land of Egypt. And it kills the firstborn of every household from the person in prison to Pharaoh itself, himself. And there's great, great mourning in the land. But the people of Israel are spared because they follow God's instructions. Because the angel of death saw the, the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. Amazing. But why, I was thinking, I was thinking about this, and you maybe too. It's like, why did God have to go through all of that? Why not just like spare the Israelites? Okay. And why kill all these animals and all the blood and all that stuff? Oh my gosh. 
what God was establishing in no uncertain terms, that, that without the shedding of innocent blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Protection from God's wrath can only come by someone paying for the penalty. So that's when Pharaoh lets them go. And we know the rest of the story. And the single, this single event, the Passover, for the Jewish people, not only commemorates their freedom from captivity from Egypt, but it also is the birth of the Jewish nation. Verse 14 says, You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statue forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Remember this day and tell your, your children and their children and the children of their children for generations of what God did so you don't, rem so you don't forget. So you don't forget. A lot happened from the time of the Exodus till the time of Jesus, the Old Testament. They crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh, well, you know, Pharaoh changed his mind. Oh, my gosh, we need to get those guys back. Oh. And then they go, and the, the Jews cross the Red Sea. Then the Red Sea, sea comes down. It's crazy. They go to the Promised Land. They fight battles. But they forget about God. And then they start worshiping all their idols. And then God will raise um, prophets. They'll say, hey, stop. That is wrong. Repent. Turn away. But then they will just not listen. And they will get conquered by other peoples. And then they will repent. God will... God will um, Deliver them, and it's just a cycle over and over again. We see that. Sounds familiar? Aren't we like that too in our daily lives? But throughout all of this, God never stops loving them, He never stops loving us. He remained faithful to His people and will remind them that one day, one day, the Redeemer will come, the Messiah, to truly, truly set them free. So fast forward about 1,400 years or so, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, find themselves under, under the iron fist of another foreign power, the Romans. And they were brutal, brutal, brutal people. And in God's sovereign timing, he chooses to send his only begotten son, not only to one of the poorest places on earth at that time, but also a place that was under a brutal dictatorship. That is very interesting. Roman occupation. We, we pick up the story of math in Matthew 26, 2-5. This is the plot to kill Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples, as you know, the Passover, what we just read about, is two days away. So Jesus grew up, the disciples grew up celebrating this as well. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. 
Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name is Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But they said, but not during the festival, or, the, or there may be riots among the people. The religious leaders knew that Jesus was a, a popular guy, very beloved, very loved, so that we're reluctant to arrest Jesus, especially during the Passover. And according to historians, the population of Jerusalem during this time grew about five times. So just imagine Winona, just for a, a couple of weeks, being like thousands and tens of thousands of people like that. So, and the historians also say that there, there was uprisings and riots that would happen during Passover was very common because here they are supposed to be celebrating freedom from Egypt. Our people, our nation, it was a lot of like fervor and national pride. Here we are again subjugated by a foreign power. So people were really mad and there was a lot of that national pride and just wanting to rise up. Can you imagine celebrating the 4th of July? For the land of the free. Hey, that wasn't bad. That was good. <clears throat> if we were under the rule of a foreign power, just imagine. You're supposed to be celebrating Independence Day, but here we are under occupation. I bet that we would see riots in America as well. Jesus' last supper with his disciples was also full of tension, but also anticipation. Jesus knows that he's being hunted. He's being watched. The disciples knew that Jesus was going to be crucified because Jesus had been telling, him, telling them, I'm going to be crucified. It's coming. It's coming. But they were, they were not sure. They didn't know when, how that was going to go down. <clears throat> Jesus also knows that one of his disciples, one of his closest friends, betrayed him for money. Now, he was human. He was fully God, was fully man. And I bet that weighed heavy on him as well. Jesus knew he was about to endure unimaginable suffering. But yet in the midst of all of that, he was present in the midst of the turmoil, present with his friends in the moment of his last days here with, with them. The Last Supper, Luke 22, 7-8 says, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. Yes. When Jesus said to, the, to the, his disciples, go and prepare the Passover, they knew exactly what he was asking. They knew exactly what was required. Okay. They've been celebrating this for their entire lives. 
But this time was going to be different. Imagine Peter telling John, okay, John, let's divide and conquer. You get the bread, bitter herbs, the wine, and everything else. And then I'm going, going to the market to buy the best, most perfect lamb I can find. Then the disciples found an appropriate place to sacrifice the lamb for the Passover meal. This reminds me of the first time we went to Mozambique, actually, <laughs> to visit Sybil and do some ministry at her school. One of the families invited us to go to their house. And it, for their customers, it's very important to give the best to your guests. So they got the best goat they could find right there. And they're going to kill it and serve it to us for dinner. <clears throat> and <laughs> I want to show you the next picture. And here is, is gonna, it's about to kill me. <laughs> they had to kill that goat so we could eat it. Like during the Passover and the sacrifice people would make in the Old Testament. You had to take an animal without blemish, place your hand on it, and it's like transferring your sin to it. Slit the throat of that animal and watch it bleed and die. That innocent animal. And see the blood pouring out. It had to be destroyed because it took the penalty of your sin. Taking the life of an innocent animal, seeing its blood drain out is really graphic and gruesome. That's for sure. But God wanted them to understand what sin does and can only be atoned by the shedding of blood. God takes sin very seriously. Very seriously. God hates sin because it separates us from God. Because it snares us. And it diminishes our ability to have an unhindered relationship with him. That's why he hates it. And he hates it also because of that sin, Jesus had to die a gruesome death on the cross. But those sacrifices didn't fully satisfy God, did it? They were merely a temporary covering for sin because they had to go every time and sacrifice again and again and again. That's why it says in Hebrews 10, 3 to 7. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. But it is impossible, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. These sacrifices were not so much for God. They were for us because of his love to remind us what sin does so we wouldn't always remember. So the table is set 
and the disciples are about to have a meal they will never, ever forget with Jesus. I'm going to call the servers to, have, to start serving a communion right away. We're about to read the account when Jesus has that last supper with his disciples. But instead of just reading it, let's experience it together. Let's reflect as the, as the elements are being passed of what it, this represents. Let's enter that upper room and let's find our place with Jesus and the disciples. And let's just let's take this time to just reflect and this time with the Lord. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup. He had given things and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that for now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. And likewise the cup, after they had 
eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let's take it. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Second Corinthians says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God through faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. We can receive forgiveness. Lord, it is beautiful how you took the elements of Passover to reveal that in the appointed time, you are the fulfillment of God's promise. You are the Passover lamb. No more animal sacrifices. No more burnt offerings. You are the Pas Passover lamb of the new covenant, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice so we can be set free, so we can be set right with God and have a personal relationship with you, Lord. We can help with, but worship you. Worship you tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking our place. We celebrate you tonight. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship our Lord, our Lamb of God.